Welcome to the Canny Conversations podcast, Conversations with a Cause, with social entrepreneur Safraz Ali. Saf came relatively late to entrepreneurship after working in both the public and private sectors. He coined a phrase that describes what he does as the mad entrepreneur that's make a difference entrepreneurship. As well as being the author of the Canny Bites books, Saf's business interests cover health and social care, business and corporate events, as well as him being the CEO of Pathway Group, a welfare-to-work and skills provider. In these podcasts, he shares his thoughts with journalist Adrian Kibler. So, let's join the conversation. Hello and welcome to Canny Conversations with Safraz Ali. Uh, my name is Adrian Kibler and this podcast aims to bring you a canny conversation with a cause. Conversations that we hope will captivate your curiosity cannily. Uh, and today, Saf, I-, I want us to talk about diversity. Um, I know it's an issue that, you know, is very close to your heart. And um, you were the founder of the Asian Apprenticeship Awards, and perhaps we can get onto that a bit later. But can you just tell tell me what do you mean by diversity? I think in the UK we're leading uh, the world in in terms of diversity. I think there's a UK universal commitment to get the best out of people and to extend opportunities for all, regardless of people's race, background, gender and so forth. The UK has set itself a number of targets uh, in the form of positive action. A number of reviews have been done, which have been accepted by the UK government. Uh, back in 2015-16, uh, the then uh, Business Secretary ja- Sajid Javed came out with a target to uh, hit uh, apprenticeship numbers with regard to people from BAME backgrounds. You know, so they saw the there wasn't enough uh, contribution from the Asian apprentices, black apprentices and other uh, uh, other races with regard to the apprenticeship take-ups. And uh, that was a, a form of positive action. Uh, my go-to de facto uh, source of information and report is the Ruby McGregor Smith Review, which I tend to refer to, which actually states that the UK... Miss, is missing out presently £24 billion in terms of the UK economy as a result of not meeting the potential that's there with regard to uh, people from different bi- different backgrounds. You know, we're talking about diversity. I, I want to just talk about the Apprenticeship Awards, um, if we may. You started the awards in 2016 specifically to address the disproportionately low number of people from an Asian heritage who were taking up apprenticeships. And I think you've, you've told me that this is, you know, a, a quite a big cultural issue. Just give me a flavour of what the problems are. What's, you know, for, for an Asian family, you know, a family perhaps similar to background to yourself, what, what would their typical perception be of an apprenticeship? I think there's the generally speaking the, there has been an issue in terms of the branding of apprenticeships um regardless of if it's specific to a race I think apprenticeships have previously been seen traditionally blue collar jobs and practical type of jobs as opposed to career 
Um, it's it's been rebranded in terms of a career opportunity. A lot of blue chip companies as well as SME organizations are regarding the way to um, to to bring the best out of people. Is there a, is there an element of, of I don't know, perhaps it's the wrong word, but snobbery. I mean, I think you've told me in the past that, you know, an Asian family ideally would like um, their children to go into a profession, perhaps the law, perhaps medicine, and and a sort of concept that that, that apprenticeships are somehow second best and, you know, they think of apprentices as being people like Kevin in Coronation Street, you know, uh, with overalls and and, and dirty hands. is that unfair to talk about it, a, a sort of kind of snobbery? Apprenticeships previously have been seen as where it's a second choice, as as opposed to where now it's it's an option, it's a choice, as well as any other options. Right? It's not it's not for people who have no choice, but it's actually uh, often the best choice for people. Uh, with regard to um, particularly with regard to the issue that we raised back in 2016, we realised that there were many more British Asians going into university as opposed to taking the apprenticeship route. And what we found was that uh, there were many who were what we call NEETs, not in employment education training, and then there's a an equal amount in going into university. And what, what, we, what we were finding is the route of work and the apprenticeship route uh, wasn't really seen as, a, as an option. The idea behind the apprenticeship awards uh, was to showcase excellence both on the part of apprentices and, of course, the other side of the coin, which is very important, are the employers uh, because they create the apprenticeship opportunities. I'm just wondering, Seth, you know, we started in 2016, we now four years plus down the line. Uh, how successful do you think it's been? I think the awards have started off as a Asian Apprenticeship Awards, but now have have really been rebranded as the BAME Apprenticeship Awards. And our purpose was to do something practical. Uh, what we mean by that is actually to showcase the talent and the diversity that's there and to highlight people who were making a difference, whether that be employers, uh, the apprentices themselves, and also the training providers. We believe in our small way we've done that. We've uh, we've highlighted the the role models that are there, the influences, the market marketplace, the the best practice that is going on, and we feel that we have contributed in terms of celebrating the the achievements of of individuals, putting them into into the media and 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 highlighting their achievements, and therefore encouraging encouraging others to follow suit. I mean, who do you think are the big influencers when young people are coming to make a decision? Uh, obviously, there's parents, obviously, there's the extended family, there obviously the teachers uh, and and the peers, uh, and also, of course, the media, because, you know, as I said, you know, if more apprentices were presented on the media and as people working in offices or laboratories, then that would help to change things. But which of those audiences, the students themselves, their families or the educators, do you you think it's most important to get the message through to? I think the best people that promote the apprenticeship route are apprentices themselves. Individuals who have been on the journey, they can share their experiences, people can relate to them a lot lot more and it's something that they, they can learn from. 
And what we find is that it's the apprentices themselves who are the best role models. And they're the, they're the individuals that have the biggest, the biggest impact. You know, we, you know we, can, we can have as much training, advertising campaigns out there, you know, leaflets and so forth. And as, 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 as teachers, as parents, we can do so much. People generally are more, you know, we listen to our peers a bit more. I think we're influenced more by our peers. And if somebody's gone through a particular format or, or, or a learning experience, then I think that generally is, is, uh, has the biggest impact. You said we're doing quite well in terms of diversity in, in this country, but we've not done that well, have we, as a country in terms of apprenticeships? I mean, if you look to Europe uh, and Germany, that's that's generally regarded as a country with you know a lot of technological successes, a lot of successes in pharmaceuticals and that kind of thing. Sixty um, percent of young people in Germany go into apprenticeships, albeit they're known as uh, um, vocational training program. So, as a nation, we, we, we've not done very well, have we, in terms of making people aware of the value of apprenticeships? I think when we talk about vocational qualifications, vocational training, the you know we have we in the UK offer a lot more than apprenticeships. We have uh, the adult education budget, which is you know which is uh, which is skills in the workplace. So you know we've got programs such as. Uh, skill support for the workforce. We've got skill support for unemployed, and, the, and these are qualifications for people who are already in work and looking to progress further. So these are in addition to the apprenticeship route. So we haven't got one badge that fits all in terms of the apprenticeships. Yes, there are apprenticeship programs for young people as well as uh, individuals that are over the age of twenty-four. However, we have other diverse programs as well. And when you club all of that together, you know, we are uh, leading the world in terms of vocational qualifications and have been for the last 20 years, particularly when you started with, the, with Train to Gain. It's gone on now to uh, vocational qualifications. They may have different, different badges, different names, but there is many people who are learning in the workplace in different different ways, whether that's functional skills or whether it's occupational occupational qualifications, or it's the traditional apprenticeship route as well. So there's 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 a lot more different range of qualifications that uh, we have the options to to take. We're chatting about diversity, uh, and quite rightly we've been talking about minority communities. But of course, I know you very strongly take the view that diversity is not just about colour and ethnicity it's about a whole range of other things it's about gender it's about age I just wonder how well you think we do in terms of diversity when it comes to women in in the world of work and also you know age discrimination because you know a lot of older people feel that that they are discriminated against but but let's talk about women first I mean how well do you think we're doing in terms of that side of things? I think the economy we've we've got a you know the the, the government previously and and presently you know it's it's one of the major topics it's one of the major major areas where the economy has to work for all regardless of where you come from and and your your background and regardless of uh, gender sexual orientation uh, or background I think we've got a 
provide people the same opportunities to progress and contribute. I think that's the that's the core to it. And uh, what we find is that there's, there's different ways to, to look at that. And part of that is to actually to raise the awareness, to uh, bring attention to the issue, and then look at maybe quotas or positive action in some form. But I think the first starting point with anything is uh, the knowledge and the awareness of, of a particular particular topic or issue. I mean, the whole business of equality is an interesting one. And uh, you know, whatever, you, you can do all sorts of things in you know the field of education and all the rest of it. But the, don't you agree, Saf, that, that the fact of life is that, you know, life is a relay race, not a sprint. And people are disadvantaged by things like, you know, the circumstances of their accident of birth, you know, the family they, they live in, the socio-economic climate and all the rest of it. Someone who is born into relative prosperity with perhaps parents who are, you know, professional people. You know, however you, you, you try and address things, there's a level of equality that, that, that it's just not possible to achieve. Is that being a bit cynical, do you think? I think it's a, it's a, it's a journey that we're on. It's something that we've got to be focused on. And I think it's about raising the issues. You know, social mobility is one of the topic, topic issues at this moment in time. And, you know, not just in terms of race and so forth, but it's also about the background, as you mentioned. So social mobility is probably one of the main things at this moment in time. And it's, it's, it's you know, it's across the education sector. It's across uh, workplaces as possibly the number one issue at this morning in time in terms of bringing the best out of people, giving the people the opportunities for them to make the biggest impact or best impact that they can. And I think businesses are also fully embraced with regard to that. And um, and from my perspective, it's something that, you know, as, you know, as I said, lead, the UK is leading on in many fronts. I think uh, you know, one of the things that, that I've heard said and it, and I fear that it's sad, but it's but it's true. Is that the biggest indicator of how a, a baby will do in life is the postcode in which they were born? Uh, but let's talk about some of your thoughts about how we can start to address some of these issues. And I'm going to get into an area that that you know a lot of people find a bit controversial, but but let's go there. And that's quotas uh, and targets. I mean. How do you feel about quotas, you know? People of Asian heritage make up, as I understand it, I might be wrong, about 14% of the population. So would you like to see quotas where where businesses are are obliged to employ a proportion of the population that represents, you know, that is representative of the the country as a whole, or or do you not like quotas? I think there's two different things there. There's a target and there's a quota. I mean, there have been quotas in certain areas. For example, if you you know in in the in the field of politics, there's many many uh, occasions where it's all female panels. So if you wanted to become a councillor or an MP in a particular area, you may find the fact that it's only for for females to actually become that, and that's that's a quota. Mostly in the, in this country, we we have targets as opposed to quotas and you know that's something which I would say is positive to have a target aspiring target but I think a lot of that then depends on the data it depends on transparent transparency it's also looking at you know if you if you're measuring something then you can improve you're more aware of it and I think that's a positive thing 
That's positive action. Just as the government set the targets back in 2016 in terms of apprentices, there's been many other positive action statements where they've got benchmarks, targets, whether that's 3 million apprentices or whether that's 20% from the BAME community or 20% increase. These are targets, but a lot of that will then depend on the, the data, the transparency of that data, collating that data, and then really celebrating success. It's not really about naming and shaming or restricting businesses or restricting people, but it's more about being aware, being conscious and grasping the opportunities that are there. It's interesting what you say, as is so much of what you say, and a lot of this is covered, of course, in uh, your canny bite books, which, which talk in some depth about this issue. Is there a danger, Saf, that in trying to address diversity, you almost turn things on their head in the sense that, you know, if you've got a target that you've got to have 50% of the work or you want 50% of the workforce to be female, for example, and you in, you interview somebody for a position and you want to increase the number of females, but you know, a man who's applied for that job is probably the best candidate. If you choose the woman because that helps you to get closer to your targets, isn't perversely that in itself a form of discrimination? I think positive discrimination itself is illegal, so we've got to recognise that, that act on its own is, is illegal. That's not positive action. Positive action is when you're doing something positively to encourage as opposed to negative. So, yes, but you are quite right, the fact that that could be seen. You know, there's an element of unconscious bias, bias that that works and there's also um, you know, conscious affirmations where you, you could be in a position where from from a starting point of something positive, you know, some negative action is taken. But that that shouldn't be the reason why we shouldn't take positive action. You know, we've got to understand our baseline. We've got to, we've got to set ourselves some stretching and challenging targets. And it's about the gap, the gap analysis. It's about filling the gap and meeting the levels of contribution that people can achieve. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. It's a, the point that you make about... You know, diversity, I suppose, you know, having a diverse workforce is, you could you can argue it ethically, obviously it is the right thing to do and I think very few people would, would argue with that. But is there any evidence that you're aware of that it actually makes a difference to the performance of a business? Is there any evidence that a diverse business uh, is more successful than one that, that doesn't embrace diversity? What would your examples be that you'd think of in, in that respect? I think if you look at the um, the work that the government has done, particularly the civil service, which they they you know the government tend to lead a lot of the this by example, uh, the civil service published a report which talked about public sector equality, and actually states that you know if they don't represent the area that they're in, then they're missing out in terms of the awareness, the knowledge, and also it's about bringing the best out of people as well. So you know, we, 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 we've, we've got examples from the civil service, we've got examples from the NHS in terms of the BAME leadership groups and the leadership to, to you know, bring more people from BAME background as well into that. And those examples are there and they're quite widely read and, and accepted. But the biggest one I would always go back to and revert back to is the Ruby McGregor Smith review, which actually highlighted the gap from uh, uh, what what businesses was were missing out and the impact on businesses 
being more diverse and there's examples in that Ruby McGregor Smith review which are um, detailed and uh, the the facts are there and that's a that's a government study and has been accepted by government Everything is life is relative, but you're a relatively, a relatively young man, but 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 not that young that you, you know, you have got a few years under the belt. I mean, as somebody from a, a minority ethnic background, how different are things now to how they were when, when you were growing up? Do you find that people's attitudes have have changed? The sort of thing that you might have had to put up with when you were young. Do, do you feel that that, that that's doesn't happen these days or, or, or are there still issues? I think my journey is probably different to, to most others. others. I mean, I've grew, I grew up in, in an inner city area of Birmingham, Allen Rock. I went to a, a school two, three miles away and, and the area was completely different. It was a predominantly white area. So I, I grew up in a slightly different, what I would say, different community to what I was used to in, in, in day to day. But what I would say is that what I've experienced has been always positive. I've not, I've not faced uh, racial discrimination of any form, not consciously anyway. I'm not being aware of it, and I, and I've seen things in a positive light. And I think what what we sometimes feel is that you know we it's our outlook as well that after matters. Yes, there may be and there there is discrimination, but I think it's also your life attitude, your approach to certain things, which also determines how you progress and and how you see things. And I think your starting point or my starting point is always about learning, developing, being open. And I've embraced uh, challenges. I've looked at bettering myself. I don't look at myself in a in a victim mentality. I you know, embrace the opportunities that are there. I'm trying to make the best that I have. And uh, and that's generally my approach, and and that's what you know what I've been taught from day one from my parents, and that's how I, I perceive things. I think the you know the, there's opportunities there, the opportunities that this country presents to people, it's second to none, um, and people who've you know who've started life, you know, talk about particular postcodes have actually progressed and 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 gone up the ladder in in many many professions. I've got friends and our relatives who are in professional careers, who are leading firms and are partners in national accountancy firms, law firms, or doctors and professionals, and, and their kids are very similar. And, of course, these people all set examples, don't they? You know, if, if, if you see somebody from a similar background to yourself achieving, that makes you think that you can do well, doesn't it? So it, it's so important, as you say with apprenticeships that, that, you know, you have these examplars, people that can look, can be looked up to and, and show what can be achieved. Yeah, I think the opportunities are there. It's about embracing those opportunities, looking at it from a positive perspective and, and grasping really uh, the, the the opportunities that are present. We're, we're running towards the end now, but uh, look, let's let's try and project forward 10 years. Where do you think the apprenticeship situation will stand in in ten years' time? Do you think we will have more apprenticeships, and uh, and what, if any, impact do you think COVID will have on the take up of apprenticeships and, and and other forms of further and higher education? 
I think generally, I mean, apprenticeships um, have had a knock this year. So this year has probably been one of the most difficult years for apprenticeships and 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 the recruitment of apprentices. Uh, however, saying that, it's been something that the government has been encouraging for for the well, last ten ten to fifteen years. The numbers themselves are very much determined with regard to funding that's about, that's that's out there. So there's a lot of factors. It's not just about the opportunities that are there. It's also the uh, the rule book, effectively, with regard to uh, apprenticeship funding, what's involved. So one of the determining factors currently is 20% of the job training. The uh, the apprenticeship levy has also had an impact. So the so the so the sector itself isn't just about you know there's a there's a job opportunity there, and whether well, you know whether somebody an apprentice is 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 available. There is some element of some bureaucracy, some rules that need to be followed. So a lot of restrictions in terms of uh, apprenticeship uh, frameworks. Um, how how things work. These all have an impact in terms of starts. They also have an impact in terms of the completions that that are that are present. So it's quite a quite a difficult one to to answer in 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 terms of the uh, the apprenticeship numbers. The government target target that was set hasn't been met. It was a very all stretching target in terms of three million apprentices by twenty twenty. And I think they, they they stopped counting in 2019 in terms of where the numbers were. So from a transparency perspective, the numbers haven't been to where it is. It, you know, it doesn't stop uh, the government to have a stretching and challenging target. And I think we've got to have a target that we work towards. What I will say is that apprentices are part of our vocabulary. Our understanding of apprenticeship has, has changed as well. And I think parents... Young people, employers are more open to embracing the opportunities that are there. So hopefully, it's a it's a, it's a positive thing, and the numbers will will show that as well. And just for the benefit of our of our listeners, we're actually having our chat in the dying embers of two thousand and twenty. So when you refer to this year, you were referring to two thousand and twenty because people be listening to this in two thousand and twenty one. Um, finally. Asian Apprenticeship Awards, would you argue with me if I said that that was, at least up to this point in, in your life and work with respect to diversity, that that would be your biggest single legacy, the thing that you're perhaps most proud of? And secondly, sort of following on from that, would you agree that the Asian Apprenticeship Awards will really have achieved its objectives when it becomes redundant because there isn't a need to address this issue i mean is it is it the legacy that you're most proud of and and do you see a day when there'll be no need for the awards i mean the awards are now called the bame apprenticeship awards and we rebranded last year to cover a wider wider area we started off particularly uh, asian apprenticeship awards because there was a perception in the marketplace and we were targeting specifically asian the asian community and in terms of the research that we did, we the the word BAME or BME at the time, the Asian community didn't really understand too well. This year again, twenty twenty has been a year where the word BAME is in everybody everybody's language. But it was predominantly the industry that we were in. It was recognised within that industry BAME, but not necessarily on on the, on our, at a ground level. In terms of legacy, I mean, how, how proud are you of the 
awards and is that the biggest single thing that you've done in terms of helping to promote diversity or at least up to now would that be fair i think it's probably one of the most well-known brands that we've created but from an impact perspective um, our core organization pathway have been going for 20 years uh, we've been working with people at a grassroots level getting people into long-term sustainable jobs you know getting individuals to progress in their careers and also developing people's confidence to progress further in, in life as well that's probably not spoken about but the numbers are, are there you know we've dealt with 20,000 plus individuals and even the last two years on its own we've done 5,000 learners as well so in context in terms of numbers the numbers are are, are there in our core work uh, where as the BAME apprenticeship awards we're dealing with 100 people in a year but these are role models then they're celebrated they showcase and then they become mentors they're also obviously uh, you know where employers are also proud of and and each employer then works with that apprentice to actually try and recruit other apprentices so there's a bit of a multiplier effect with regard to the BAME apprenticeship awards now but uh, I would like to think, you know, there's other work that I have done with regard to Pathway Group, obviously our core business, the other business that we have, the uh, health and social care business as well, grassroots level, domiciliary care agency, we've, we, I feel that we make a difference every day. It must give you a huge satisfaction to feel that you're changing people's lives through the opportunities that training and learning provides them. Do you, you feel, must feel proud of that? I think that's one of the reasons why I came into the field of entrepreneurship. I don't regard myself as a traditional entrepreneur, which is about seeking an opportunity for the betterment of myself. It's seeing, it's, it, I see it as, a, as if I can make an impact, make a difference. Well, um, I think you're absolutely right. You know, making a difference is, is a tremendous epitaph for anybody. Um, we've come out, of, we've sadly run out of time at the moment. So now we have to curtail our canny conversation with a course, at least for this time. Um, thanks for listening and do catch up at your convenience. Thanks for listening to this canny conversation with a cause. These conversations are based upon the Canny Bites books by Safraz Ali, available on Amazon. To find out more, go online and visit Saf's website, pathwaygroup.co.uk, or join him on social media. He can be contacted at safraz at pathwaygroup.co.uk. This is a 1386 audio production.